This is a very interesting story, a podcast story, anecdote, depending on what you want to call it, about how to edit resumes for consulting interviews. And it's based on the experience I've had over the last few weeks, which really made me you know, want to, to give some very detailed guidance in terms of how people should prepare their resumes. And this even goes out to own candidates who I think don't take enough time to prepare their resumes even when we're helping them. And for many of you who do know me, I am a creature of habit. I, I will go to the same place all the time because if I think something is comfortable, I'll do it. And when I was down in Toronto a few weeks, a few weeks or months ago, um, when I was ill, I came in for a few days, four days before, tra- it was seven days before I traveled again. I remember going to the same restaurant I go to and I met this um, this waiter there um, who very polite and so on and we were talking and he looked at the book I was reading and he told me he read the book and I was actually quite impressed firstly that he read the book and second that he had so many insights about the book. It's it's a quite a heavy book on strategy and valuations and so on and I was surprised that someone who's a waiter at a, a pretty good restaurant in the middle of downtown Toronto would, would have such a detailed knowledge on the subject but also a very articulate knowledge. You know, some people just speak well and you ask them informa- you ask them specifics, they can't answer it. This guy spoke well and he could answer things specifically with very well-considered opinions, not just telling me what was in the book, which he clearly knew, but also telling me, well, in the book says this, and I thought about it further, but I think it couldn't apply in this case because of the way you value companies and the way WAC needs to be calculated, and this is the limitation in the theory. So I think, you know, this is the adjustment the author should have made. But it's still a good book. But I was very impressed with him. And I actually asked him, you know, what, what are you doing working as a waiter? Shouldn't you be doing something else? And he told me, well, you know, for personal reasons, he applied to a lot of companies, uh, mostly banks and a few consulting firms. He didn't get in. And for personal reasons, he had to take the job, you know, obviously financial reasons. So I said, okay, no problem. You know, you're still looking. He said, yes, obviously, I'm still looking. I'm hoping things improve soon. But I just finished university. So, you know, I've only been here for like a month. So there's still time. So I said, okay, I'll be happy to edit your resume um, because I think with some help, you probably could do much better. And the interesting thing is this guy spent something like $300 to uh, have his resume edited. Now, we people who know... As we don't charge for resume editing, um, so we we took I took it on myself personally to edit his resume. And what was interesting about this guy is that the way he did, the way he handled the editing was very impressive. Because I asked him to meet me after work. I mean, I stayed at the same restaurant, so when his shift was over, I was sitting there and reading my book with a cold and so on. I was there from about must have been 2 p.m. till about 7 p.m. His shift was over. It was very warm. He brought his resume across, and I sat down and I gave him feedback. Right now, here's 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 the thing that was interesting about this guy. He had his MacBook Air, I think they call these things, these fancy apples, and he's got his um, printed out resume. The first thing that struck me about this guy is that he didn't do live editing. That is one of the most annoying things in the world. When I'm giving someone feedback, or any senior person, a partner is giving someone feedback, and they are live editing a document, that is something that shows an absolute lack of skills is disrespectful. When you are being given feedback and you are live editing a document on your laptop or on your MacBook Air, whatever it is, it's telling the person, look, I want you to tell me what to do. I'm not going to think about it. I'm just going to put it in. When someone live edits a document, it really upsets me. 
And I actually tell some candidates, are you live editing this? Never ever live edit a document. Always write down the comments, think about it, and then make the adjustments. So the first thing that I found interesting is he never live edited the documents. And it's a, it plays a big role in terms of the quality of the changes you'll make, right? So no live editing, all his comments, handwritten, pencil, um, and he was making notes and prompts and I actually liked the fact that I would I would read his resume and tell him okay this is what I, th I like the statement but I think this is what you need to say here and this is for his, this was his cover letter we started with his cover letter first right and then we went to the resume um, and he would take down all the comments I cannot tell you how many times you deal with a candidate will give him comments and then they'll midway through us going through half of the cover letter They'll come back to and say, I missed something four points above. Now, how in the world are we are going to remember what we said four points above? That's why you're taking notes. If you, if you, if you get stuck somewhere, you're meant to tell us where you get stuck. It also shows uh, you know, lack of responsibility, not able. It, shows, it tells, shows a lot of things if you're not able to take notes correctly. No defending. You know, some parts I'll say, you know, why would you say this? But he wouldn't defend it. That's what I found really interesting about this guy. No defense. He would explain what I meant was this, um, but I'm happy to change it if you think it's incorrect. He never defended a viewpoint. And I really gave him a hard time about some of these things because I thought his resume was badly done. It was a terrible resume. It was a three-page resume, you know, where people put their summary of their intentions first, their skills, roles, and so on. Uh, he asked a lot of questions, but good questions, you know. So, for example, you know, you, you say this, what do you mean by this? You know, why would you say this was a business case versus a financial model? What's the difference? Should, is there a reason why there needs to be a difference? So, good questions. So, I gave him this feedback. I think I've been traveling for four weeks since I came back to Toronto for my cold. And I got back his updated resume and cover letter, um about four days ago and I must say I was very impressed with what he had done firstly even with our own candidates we give them we, we probably spend more time with our own candidates than with this guy and our own candidates we've got to tell them what to do but what I find with many candidates even the ones who are not part of our formal program the ones who I choose to give resume feedback to is that they don't necessarily want to improve their resume. A lot of candidates think their resume is good enough. A resume rewriting should take two days, maybe three days, maybe four days. And we're going to tell them exactly what to say and they're going to update it and it's done, right? And even when I give them edits, they only read the edits, which I think is one of the most ridiculous way to check a document. When, when, when a candidate sends me an edited document, candidates know this, I tell them never track the changes. Type in whatever changes they want, remove the tracking because I'm going to read the entire document from top to bottom. What candidates do is they will ask for the track changes, they will only read the tracks and they'll ignore everything else that hasn't been tracked. Now let me explain something that should be fairly obvious to you when you edit your resume. If I change a word, six words down a bullet point, even though I've only changed one word, it is possible that because of that one word changing, other parts of your bullet, which I have not altered, may now need to change. So only checking the edited parts is one of the most stupid things you could do. When you get a track document, you remove all the track changes, accept it, and then read the document from top to bottom. Always check the entire document, right? The other thing is that a lot of candidates, when you when you point out something on their resume, they, they do something that's really annoying. They will then put in a comment on the side explaining why they are right. And I always point out to a candidate, when you send your resume to a recruiter, do you, are you going to have your comment section in there? So clearly, if you need to explain something in the comment section, 
it's wrong. Your resume is wrong. You need to rewrite the bullet so you don't have to put in a comment because you're not going to submit the comment as part of your resume. But candidates don't understand that. They'll put a lot of comments explaining. I say, I don't want to see a comment. If, it need, if you need to tell me something, rewrite the bullet to tell me that, but no comments, right? The other thing candidates do is there's this obsession with speed. We track a lot of data on candidates, but I'll tell you, 60% of candidates will, will send them details on their resume and they'll revert back to us within six hours. And they think they're doing a good job and they're so proud of themselves. I got back to you within six hours and they'll send me a note the next day, you know, Michael, have you had a time to read my resume? And I'm thinking to myself, you know, at some point you've handed over your accountability to me and that's not the way it should be. You need to take control of your career. And this particular guy, who have only, I've seen many times because he's generally my waiter at the restaurant. Uh, I don't know him very well. There's no obligation for him to work with us. Um, you know, he doesn't even know us. Um, he obviously sees us with clients every now and again, but he doesn't know who we are. He doesn't know what we're, we're telling him. We gave him very direct feedback, harsh feedback, as we always do, and things are wrong. Fixed it, and but the quality of what he produced was just amazing. Even the formatting, most candidates mess up their formatting. Nine out of ten candidates will mess up their formatting because for some reason they think content is everything, even if it looks like a child to the uh, resume. Little formatting errors count. Your date's in the wrong place? Big problem for me because my eye gets distracted. A resume is a clean, it's logical, it's symmetrical. If you break the symmetry, it looks weird, especially if you're using the Harvard resume format. The Harvard resume format only works if it's formatted well. Same with the Wharton resume format. If you break the formatting, you've created a lot of problems. But the point I'm trying to raise here is that when you are doing your resume and getting feedback, make sure that you set yourself up for success. In in a previous podcast, we've talked about the importance of resume. Here, I want to talk about the importance of the steps to get your resume right. You know, don't make the mistakes many candidates make with formatting, live editing, you know, turning around feedback in 24 hours. When someone turns around their feedback in 24 hours, I pretty much know it's going to be worthless. They haven't thought about it. They just decide I'm going to write what I think is right. When I, when I tell someone this bullet point is illogical, it doesn't make sense, um, they will then, in, so a lot of them come back and say, well, how do I rewrite it? Well, I always point out to them, I can tell you what to rewrite, but because I don't know what you've done, I'm going to tell you what to rewrite based on facts that I don't have. So shouldn't you rewrite this and then I can guide you? It's a very simple and logical step. Your resume cannot be rewritten by someone else because they don't know the background. They don't know what you actually did. If you said that you guided six people to redesign an economic model, maybe you didn't actually do that. Maybe you did something else and you worded it incorrectly. The point is, I, if you pass over the responsibility for someone else to rewrite your resume, you expect them to rewrite it based on whether or not they can interpret what you've done correctly. And more or less, I mean, people who've worked with us will know we've always rewritten resumes because people always have a way of writing incorrectly. So never pass the responsibility to someone who doesn't have your context. Take the time to edit it carefully. This candidate eventually got in. I mean, he didn't end up at a consulting firm, but he did end up at a bank, you know. And I think his resume played a big you know, part of that. The point is, and I look at this candidate, it's just the amount of time he spent, three weeks, to get his, he took all the feedback and he made it work. He took the coverlet and it was stunning afterwards, but the resume was really an amazing change. Of course, we still asked him to do more edits, but nothing intense, you know. With many of our candidates, it's just a back-breaking work to ask them to rephrase a bullet, you know. We'll tell them, 
very clearly all bullets must have context, action, and the result of the action, and the action must have a number. They'll send it back to us, and five of the bullets won't have that. Then we'll have to go back and say, but where's the number? And they'll say, there's no number. And I say, but you have to give me a number. And they'll say, well, what did you do if you didn't accomplish anything? You know, no one's interested in whether you have the roles and responsibilities. Everyone has roles and responsibilities. We're worried about whether you did it well. And it's just this process of trying to convince the candidate to change things because they don't want to change it. And can you imagine how easy it will be if you just changed things and acted on the feedback? And my point is that when I look at resumes that are well written, it has a lot to do with the candidate being willing to do the hard work to rewrite their resumes. If you're not willing to do the hard work and not willing to dig into what you actually did on the project and put it onto that piece of paper, no one else can magically read your mind and do it for you. If you're unwilling to give that, in, if, provide that information, it's going to be lost forever. And it is the duty of the person who owns the resume to do that. And do not edit resumes in 24 hours. It takes time. You know, when I edit resumes, I always keep aside an entire. I try to keep aside an entire day to do that because I want my mind absolutely focused on the resume. I need to think about okay, what did this candidate say before? What does the profile now say? But it shocks me when a candidate is editing the resume as I'm speaking to them. It is totally unprofessional. It is disrespectful. And it shows you actually don't take enough pride in your own work. And you're not willing to think about what you do. And the message you give to someone is just, it's terrible. Don't ever do that. And don't ever let me catch one of our candidates doing that. I mean, I'm never going to say anything. But it, when I when I see someone doing that, I automatically think to myself, you know, you've listened to the podcast, you know why we're asking you to do this, but you're just more interested in getting things done than to to actually put the time into it. And it's worse when I can hear a candidate typing in the background and I ask the candidate, are you editing live? And they say, no, I'm writing it out. But I can hear them typing it out and they'll send me something as terrible. And we have a candidate in the Middle East whereby I know she's live editing when we give her stuff. And we've, we've been through her cover letter three times and she never gets the edits because she's live editing. You can never type fast enough and make corrections. And with that particular candidate, it's automatic to me that I can see the, the signs of someone who is going to struggle. You're getting feedback, but you're not willing to take it. And you can see it in the quality. The, the cover letters could be a lot better. It could be much more tighter than what she's put together. But because of the way she's chosen to do the um, editing, it's it's never going to be as good as it could be. The point is, you know, when working with your resume, a good resume can have a profound impact on your life. And I always tell people this. But you have to put in the work. You have to take the harsh feedback, the hard feedback, the 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 tough and honest feedback you know if you want to hear your resume is good then don't send it to us but, but more or less a well-written resume will change things i've only met one candidate who i thought her resume is very well written she's a Wharton candidate um i thought her resume is pretty good we will make edits obviously but nothing as intense as what we normally do for most people it's an extreme makeover for their resumes and their cover letters but this candidate i think she had spent a lot of time doing a very good job. So it's one of the rare, there's the rare exceptions where the resume makes a lot of sense. As always, if you want uh, guidance in terms of how to get feedback on your resume and how to incorporate it and how to adjust your resume, I'll be very happy to take questions on this podcast.